Volume 3, Chapter 9 of Gwen Wynn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwen Wynn, A Romance of the Y by Main Read. Volume 3, Chapter 9 The Gamblers at Langoran. Among the faces now seen at Langoran, most of them new to the place, and not a few of forbidding aspect, there is one familiar to us. Sinister as any, since it is that of Father Rogier, at no rare intervals may it be there observed, but almost continuously. Frequent as were his visits to Glyngog, they are still more so to Langoran, where he now spends the greater part of his time his own solitary and somewhat humble dwelling at Rugg's Ferry, seeing nothing of him for days together, while for nights its celibate bed is unslept in, the luxurious couch spread for him at the court having greater attractions. Whether made welcome to this unlimited hospitality or not, he comports himself as though he were, seeming no ways backward in the reception of it, instead as if demanding it one ignorant of his relations with the master of the establishment may imagine him its master nor would the supposition be so far astray as the king-maker controls the king so can gregoire rogier the new lord of langoran influence him at his will and this does he though not openly or ostensibly that would be contrary to the tactics taught him and the practice to which he is accustomed the sword of loyola in the hands of his modern apostles has become a dagger a weapon more suitable to ultramontanism only in protestant countries to be wielded with secrecy though elsewhere little concealed but the priest of rugg's ferry is not in france and under the roof of an English gentleman, though a Roman Catholic, bears himself with becoming modesty before strangers and the eyes of the outside world. Even the domestics of the house see nothing amiss. They are new to their places, and as yet unacquainted with the relationships around them, nor would they think it strange in a priest having control there or anywhere. They are all of his persuasion, else they would not be in service at Langoran Court. So proceed matters under its new administration. On the same evening that Captain Rycroft makes his quiet excursion down the river to inspect the traces of the cliff, there is a little dinner party at the court. The diners taking seat by the table just about the time he was stepping into Wingate's skiff. The hour is early, but it is altogether a bachelor affair, and Levin Murdoch's guests are men not much given to follow fashions. Besides, there is another reason, something to succeed the dinner, on which their thoughts are more bent than upon either eating or drinking. No spread of fruit, nor dessert of any kind, but about at card-playing, or dice for those who prefer it. On their way to the dining-room they have caught glimpse of another apartment where whist and loo-tables are seen, 
with all the gambling paraphernalia upon them packs of new cards still in their wrappers ivory counters dice boxes with their spotted cubes lying alongside pretty sight to mr murdoch's lately picked up acquaintances a heterogeneous circle but all alike in one respect each indulging in the pleasant anticipation that he will that night leave his host's house with more or less of that host's money in his pocket murdoch has himself come easily by it and why should he not be made as easily to part with it if he has a plethora of cash they have a determination to relieve him of at least a portion of it hence dinner is eaten in haste and with little appreciation of the dishes however dainty also longing to be around those tables in another room and get their fingers on the toys there displayed their host aware of the universal desire does not to frustrate it instead he is as eager as any for the fray as said gambling is his passion has been for most part of his life and he could now no more live without it than go wanting drink a hopeless victim to the last he is equally a slave to the first soon therefore as dessert is brought in and a glass of the heavier wines gone round he looks significantly at his wife the only lady at the table who taking the hint retires the gentlemen on their feet at her withdrawal do not sit down again but drink standing only a petit verre of cognac by way of corrector then they hurry off in an unseemly ruck towards the room containing metal more attractive from which soon after proceed the clinking of coin and the rattle of ebony counters with words now and then spoken not over nice but rough even profane as though the speakers were playing skittles in the backyard of a london beer-house instead of cards under the roof of a country gentleman's mansion while the new master of langoran is thus entertaining his amiable company as much as any of them engrossed in the game its new mistress is also playing a part which may be more reputable but certainly is more mysterious she is in the drawing-room though not alone father rogier alone with her he of course has been one of the dining guests and said an anxious grace over the table in his sacred sacerdotal character it could hardly be expected of him to keep along with the company though he could take a hand at cards and play them with as much skill as any gamester of that gathering but just now he has other fish to fry and wishes a word in private with the mistress of Langoran about the way things are going on however much he may himself like a little game with its master and win money from him he does not relish seeing all the world do the same no more she something must be done to put a stop to it and it is to talk over this something the two have planned their present interview some words about it having previously passed between them seated side by side on a lounge they enter upon the subject but before a dozen words have been exchanged they are compelled to discontinue and for the time forego it the interruption is caused by a third individual 
who has taken a fancy to follow mrs murdock into the drawing-room a young fellow of the squire class but as her husband late was of somewhat damaged reputation and broken fortunes for all having a whole eye to female beauty which appears to him in great perfection in the face of the frenchwoman the rouge upon her cheeks looking the real rose colour of that proverbial milkmaid nine times dipped in dew the wine he has been quaffing gives it this hue for he enters half intoxicated and with a slight stagger in his gait to the great annoyance of the lady and the positive chagrin of the priest who regards him with scowling glances but the intruder is too tipsy to notice them and advancing invites himself to a seat in front of mrs murdock at the same time commencing a conversation with her rogier rising gives a significant side look with a slight nod towards the window then muttering a word of excuse saunters off out of the room she knows what it means as where to follow and find him knows also how to disembarrass herself of such as he who remained behind were it upon the bench of the bois or an arbour in the jardin she would make short work of it but the ex-cocotte is now at the head of an aristocratic establishment and must act in accordance therefore she allows some time to elapse listening to the speech of her latest admirer some of it in compliments coarse enough to give offence to ears more sensitive than hers she at length get rids of him on the plea of having a headache and going upstairs to get something for it she will be down again by and by and so bows herself out of the gentleman's presence leaving him in a state of fretful disappointment once outside the room instead of turning up the stairway she glides along the corridor then on through the entrance hall and then out by the front door nor stays she an instant on the steps or carriage sweep but proceeds direct to the summer-house where she expects to find the priest for there have they more than once been together conversing on matters of private and particular nature on reaching the place she is disappointed some little surprised rogier is not there nor can she see him anywhere around for all that the gentleman is very near without her knowing it only a few paces off lying flat upon his face among ferns but so engrossed with thoughts just then of an exciting nature he neither hears her light footsteps nor his own name pronounced not loudly though since while pronouncing it she feared being heard by some other besides she does not think it necessary he will come yet without calling she steps inside the pavilion and there stands waiting still he does not come nor sees she anything of him only a boat on the river above being rowed upwards but without thought of its having anything to do with her or her affairs by this there is another boat in motion for the priest has meanwhile forsaken his spying place upon the cliff and proceeded down to the dock where can gregoire have gone she asks herself becoming more and more impatient several times she puts the question without receiving answer 
and is about starting on return to the house when longer stayed by a rumbling noise which reaches her ears coming up from the direction of the dock can it be he continuing to listen she hears the stroke of oars it cannot be the boat she has seen rowing off above that must now be far away while this is near in the by-water just below her but can it be the priest who is in it yes it is he as she discovers after stepping outside to the place he so late occupied and looking over the cliff's edge for then she had a view of his face lit up by a lucifer match itself looking like that of lucifer what can he be doing down there why examining those things he already knows all about as she herself she would call down to him and inquire but possibly better not he may be engaged upon some matter calling for secrecy as he often is other eyes besides hers may be near and her voice might draw them on him she will wait for his coming up and wait she does at the boat stock on the top step of the stair there receiving him as he returns from his short but still unexplained excursion what is it she asked as soon as he mounted up to her quelque chose à tort more than that a veritable danger comment explain there is a hound upon our track one of sharpest scent who le capitaine de hussars the dialogue that succeeds between olympe renault and grégoire rogier has no reference to levin murdoch gambling away his money but the fear of his losing it in quite another way which for the rest of that night gives them something else to think of as also something to do end of chapter nine read by lars rolander